Guru, question, right? Like, answer this honestly. <laughs> is Mac Jones better than Jimmy Garoppolo this year? Yes. Mac mm. Jones will be better than Guru. Jimmy Garoppolo. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> yes. Guru, this is, this is, that, that's completely false, and I'm going to tell you why. Mac, right, Jones, Mac Jones only played 300 snaps at the collegiate level. Jimmy Garoppolo has played over five, six seasons at the NFL level. Jimmy Garoppolo has led a team to the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo has been with his team. Jimmy Garoppolo has been under Kyle Shannon's system for the past three years. He is ready this year. Mac Jones is not, right? You're not going to put Mac Jones in day one and see the success that Jimmy G had with this team. I'm not denying that Mac Jones could be a fit, but this season, if you're going for a Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo is a far better quarterback than Mac Jones, and I will stand by that. So and I, and I, and I, and I, Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. We are back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show here on WNSC Radio, season three of our great show episode. Uh, we lost count, Mike. <laughs> How much episodes that we gotta be? Gotta be in the thirties. Yeah, we gotta, gotta be. be in the thirties there for sure uh, of our great show right here inside of our Orlando recording studios in WNSC. Myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray. We took a long sabbatical, Mike, and uh, it's probably been a few weeks. People probably wondering where we've been, but we've been here. We've been here. And I know you've been good as well. Yeah, definitely have, man. It's been, uh, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it takes, it's good to take some time off, but um, I, I, I know everybody's been wondering what's going on. But, um, you know, everything's all good. We're still here. A lot has happened since the last time we've come together, too. So Tons. You know, uh, Tons. You know right now in the sports world, it's, everything's cooking up. It's, it's, uh, it's a hot time right now in the sports world, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be back with you, brother. Everything's going good. You said, you know, we just had the hottest day of 2021 up here in the Tri-State. 88 <laughs> degrees, almost 90 degrees today. Oh. Beautiful weather. Well, beautiful look at weather. That. Look, hey, hey, look at that. It, it's funny. What two, two, three weeks uh, make? Uh, a few weeks ago, you were in 28 <laughs> temperatures, and now all of a sudden, you're loving the weather. Hey, man. Crazy. Hey, man, two weeks, man. It's just crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy there. Lots happening in, in two weeks. Um, We'll talk about um, Steph Curry, he was hotter than fish grease, Mike. The kid, the guy's hotter than fish grease. We'll talk about the New York Knickerbockers. And also, as well as some of the um, newest teams as well, we'll talk about uh, the T-Wolves beating the Jazz three times this year. So we'll also 
uh, talk about all of those as well. So um, lots to talk about. But first, Mike, I wanted to talk, start on the show about, obviously, you know, we, we have this platform for sports, but obviously when, when it comes to other things outside of uh, uh, of sports where we can use our platforms to address, I feel like, you know, that that's something that we can use to enlighten and empower others. Um, we can't stay pat because the athletes aren't staying pat and, and, and whether the GMs and the owners are, but the athletes aren't. And so if they can do it, I feel us as, as media contestants and also as glaggerants of the industry, we can as well. And we see what we see what's going on in this country, um, Mike, as in terms of social injustice. I, I think we, we reached a major pinnacle with the Derek Chauvin uh, uh, trial. Um, who is obviously found guilty. The sentencing trial is in a few weeks down the line, um, about six to eight weeks time. And um, so obviously some other occurrences have happened where with police brutality against minority groups of, of our color. But uh, again, Mike, this is, this is something that I, I feel that needs to be addressed. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, it's, 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 hey, listen, man, it's a system. It's a system that's not geared for us. It's a system that from the jump was geared to take us out. And that's exactly what you're seeing and seeing them do. They're taking us out at an alarming rate. I mean, we're seeing it on video now, but it's been like this for since ancient times. And um, yes, Derek Chauvin got convicted. Yes, we, uh, the, the, um, he, yes, he got convicted. However, I don't feel like that was a cause for celebration because there, no, there was no laws that were changed. There was no and nothing implemented that was going to, you know, hold the police accountable or hold, hold them accountable for killing us, uh, killing innocent uh, so-called black folks. So it was it's just none of it. None of it seems right to me. I don't I don't look at um, at that as a win. Um, obviously, you know, the Makia Bryant situation, the Anthony uh, Thompson situation, there's so many different occurrences that have happened over the last few weeks. And it's all it's all systemic. It's all racism. It's all it all shows the, the, the corruptness of the system, of the injustice system, of this, of, you know, the police system. And it's, 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 it's ridiculous at this point. You know, you would say defund the police and everything like that. But until you take away this entire system and change laws, nothing will change. And the Derek Chauvin, the Derek Chauvin situation looks more so of them saving the city of Minnesota from a potential, potentially another riot, um, uh, more so than really getting justice for the family. I agree. I, I definitely agree there um, as well. Um, on that and justice will be served my judgment day is coming soon judgment day will be um coming soon there for sure uh with these guys i, I thought it was bittersweet <clears throat> because i think the win on this mic was the justice system had had to make a statement they they, they had to make a safe statement to all task force and say that they had to come out and they had to they had to make a statement and obviously finding them guilty it wasn't in first degree, but, you know, it, it still happened in, in all three counts that, that it happens. But I thought the loss, Mike, is, we again, what you said, we can't really celebrate yet because the sentencing. We he It, it, it can't be an instance where this guy does 5, 10, maybe even 20 years. We need that time. We need that time, Mike. We need that time. And I, I think it has to come down to the juror and ultimately the judge um, to give this guy up to or give him the maximum years which I think Max he can get about 40 years. He, he, we need him to do that time because there was an instance a few weeks ago, um, the lady, I, I can't remember the, la- the officer's name, who, who, who didn't get a lot of time. We need, we need that time, Mike. We need that time. I think that is 
gonna be pivotal. It's all cool that you know he's he's guilty. He's he's he, that he's been remanded from being out of bail. But we need that time. We need that time. I think that will be a bigger uh, celebration for for minority groups knowing that he's been sentenced guilty and he's been sentenced for a while. And yeah, put away so, for a while. Yeah, but Sebi, even if he does get put away for a while, say he does get sentenced to life. Say, say for example, he does he, he his his situation. He does go to life. At the end of the day, what what happens after that? Like he goes right. to life, then what? You know, moving forward, then what? How else are the police held accountable? Because one instance where they where they, I guess, if you want to say, make Derek Chauvin a sacrificial lamb and make him a make him a um, twenty five to life, or give him the death penalty. What's what's being implemented in place for future situations like this? Because we we can't act like this isn't going to happen again. There are going to be situations like this again. So what is, what's what's going to be the the consequences for them moving forward? And it, it, it makes it even more crazy, Sebi, because we all the whole world saw what happened. It was yeah. all on video, and right. we still had to question whether or not he was should be or should have been convicted. Us, and you had some people even defending him. Like right. that that's the ridiculous part about it. It was all caught on camera, and we still have to question whether or not. He should get this time or that time. It's, it's pathetic. It's a it's a joke, but it's what they've designed this to be. And it was like I say it, to me, it was more so them making this statement now because they wanted to save the state of Minnesota from potentially another riot because they couldn't afford that again from last year. Exactly, exactly. And and, and again, Mike, this all falls down to the the, the, the people in positions of power. They're called the lawmakers. They're the ones that that deals with that. Um, one thing we can't say is <laughs> the, the police, police uh, be guy, people don't make the laws. It's people in Congress. So mm-hmm. it's going to be up to them uh, for that to do sure. But always interesting to start off um, our conversations with the things that are going on in uh, this world. So now we'll talk about, Mike, what we're really good at. <laughs> That's talking mm-hmm. about sports. Mike, Steph Curry, hotter than fish grease. This guy, Steph Curry, passing James Harden. For the most three pointers in a month, I think it was eighty three for James. He surpassed that. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, mm-hmm. unbelievable what he's done. And in the month of of just April, Mike, April to remember, five. That's right, five ten plus threes games that he had just in the month of April alone. He has risen now as the top scorer in the NBA. So he's overtaking your boy Bradley Bill for the scoring title as it stands. Steph Curry, red hot, Mike. Look, and here's a f- crazier stat. Steph Curry has 23, 10 plus threes games in in, in, in his career. The next closest guy is his budding teammate, Clay Thompson. He has five. The rest of the NBA combined has 18. So this guy has just been absolutely special. What he's been keeping the Warriors are floating. Draymond Green said if they were to get into the play-in, Mike, I, I, you're going to be, let's say if they get in the play-in tournament, you wouldn't want to play them. And if they were to get past that, can you imagine, you know, Utah and Phoenix, you work this hard all year long, Mike, just to avoid uh, being playing the Lakers, the Clippers and stuff like that. You're going to be playing the hottest man on planet Earth. If you were, see, that would be your reward in the first round to play the hottest man on planet Earth in a first-round matchup. And, uh, yeah, uh, Steph Curry, there, there isn't much to, to talk about this guy. As certain players, Sebi, in, in, in our lifetime, we're watching the game of basketball or any profession, but especially the game of basketball, when they hit a, a certain peak level of their prime and, they, and they're at the height of their um, of their prime, like, like, like Steph Curry right now is in his prime, but he's at the point right now where he had a stretch 
where they we were we had like a two or three week stretch where he was just unconscious. We see great we see that happen with greatness. And certain players like Steph, is just it just looks that much more astronomically better than everybody else's. Right. Steph Curry, what what he's done the last I don't even want to say two, three weeks. Really, you could say the past two past almost two months. This guy has been on a tear. And he's single-handedly carrying his team to the promised land. Now, the 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 problem that I would have with Steph Curry in the playoffs, especially the further they go, is usually in the playoffs they allow they allow the refs allow the players to get more physical with Steph. And physicality is what is what kind of contains him to some degree. So the further he goes, the more that could wear him down and can make him potentially susceptible to you know minor tweaks and injuries and stuff like that. But outside of that, I mean, my goodness, what what this guy has been doing lately is on a tear. I mean, like Bradley Bill had a a, a solid lead on the scoring title for, title for most of the season. And then Steph went berserk and now he's taking the lead. So now they have a, a back and forth, neck and neck to, to down the finish to see who's going to get it. But Steph Curry, I mean, what he's doing without Klay Thompson is just special. And it, it basically lets you guys, lets everybody know that when Klay Thompson comes back next year, th- this team is back in championship contending form because we know what we're going to get from Steph. We know we're, we're going to get from Klay, Draymond, and these guys. But but the complimentary pieces around him is what's going to set them over the top. But Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. He's still in his prime. He's still in that that point in his career, and he's on a tear right now. And he would be a matchup nightmare for anybody in that first round. Yes, I would. I I agree. I agree there as well. I I would say this as well. When when Clay Thompson gets back, it's going to be almost impossible to double as well. You see teams <laughs> kind of get the ball out of uh, uh, Steph's hands, but Steph is just. I, I think he's one of those guys that. There, there. It's, it's, it's a nightmare to guard him, Mike. Because as great as he is with the ball, he's even more dangerous without the ball. Because he gives it up to Draymond, he brings the ball up, and he has no problem in Steve Kerr's system to play off ball. And then when he comes off those screens, I mean, he gets good looks or he gets people's uh, people open, and that double comes just because of the Steph Curry effect. You have to, you have to respect and come out to that three point line. Driving lanes happen. Or the ability where two he draws through a three, guys like Wiggins, Ubre, and Draymond get the ball inside, and then when they dip it off, and, and you happen to successfully double him high, he gives it off to Draymond. Now you're playing four on three, and now it, when you're playing four on three, now you kick it out to Wiggins, you kick it out to Ubre, and, and those are quality shots. Those guys oh, yeah. are NBA players; they'll make them. But can you imagine next year? You can't do that because you kick it out. You're playing four on three. And there's a guy that wears number 11 in that jersey and Clay Thompson. He'll get great looks. And those misses that Oubre and, and Wiggins are missing, that guy won't miss them. So it's yeah. going to be nearly impossible to, to, uh, to stop this guy. I've said, Mike, and I would go back in the last 20 years and even post-Michael Jordan, I don't think anybody has impacted the game of basketball like Steph Curry has. If you don't believe me, go to AAU games, go start watching basketball and see what centers and forwards are doing. Uh, they're, they're coming out of the paint. They're shooting threes. You go to AAU teams, you have like these smaller and miniature kids that hoping one day that they can grow. But if they can't grow to 6'8", like LeBron or, or, or 6'11", <laughs> and be long like Giannis, Steph Curry has revolutionized the game where he's given hope to guys like, hey, you can be successful as long as you work on your craft and and work on your skill and pull. And if you can pull up from thirty and forty, you have a chance in this league. I don't think in the last twenty years nobody has revolutionized and impact the game like Curry has. And you see why AAU teams centers now again. You have to be able to play five out, or you have to be able to be at least be a threat 
of a shooter outside of 15 out. And then not only that, but also the double effect. Like, I think he's underrated as a as a finisher on the glass because he can finish. He's just he's a supreme shooter that he doesn't get uh, to the foul line like he needs to. I, I think it's going to be nearly impossible, Mike, next year that when the the Warriors get Clay Thompson back because of Steph's impact, it's 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 going to be not only revolutionary for them next year, but for decades to come for the next generation and Gen Zs of uh, of our modern day. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely so. And when you think about this Warriors team, along with what Steph Curry, one of the most impressive pieces I see is this defense. Sebi. Their defensive uh, intensity is, is very special, and they have the personnel for it. When you think about the, the length they have on the outside, obviously you have Draymond, and then you have you know, Kelly Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins. That length, and you know, Kevon Looney sometimes in the paint, that length on the outside is really disrupting a lot of teams. And, and and defensively, especially when Draymond came back after after their you know their, their early slumps early, early in the season, when Draymond came back, you saw their defensive numbers go up, and you just saw how everybody complimented each other on that side of the ball, and they offset what they got from Steph Curry. So you know it, it was that's that was one of the most impressive pieces as well. And Andrew Wiggins is somebody who's going to be an, uh, a key piece next year, uh, assuming Clay is healthy and comes back, because him as a number two um, is okay, but him as a number three is even better. Especially from scoring position, you saw you saw flashes from him this year. He's had uh, some very good games at times, but he's been a little inconsistent at times as well. So I feel like uh, a more consistent season with some pressure taken off of him with Clay coming back offensively, that'll open up some of the offense for him, and um, Steve Kerr will put him in, in a better position. Absolutely, there for sure. We know the NBA Mike is significantly better when the Knickerbockers are winning, and Ooh. boy, uh, they have won. They've <laughs> been unbelievable, Mike. They've won 13 of their last 15. They were in the midst of a nine-game winning streak. But when you play, sometimes you play a guy like Chris Paul, you know, <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta bow down. <laughs> you just sometimes you just gotta be like, hey, shrug your shoulders, things happen. But the Knicks, Mike, what what a story from probably being a lottery pick that we thought this year to one of the bottom teams in the East last year to now, Mike, <clears throat> being the second best rated defense in the NBA. Julius Randle has quickly, Mike, went from an all-star to almost stardom potential, Mike. I mean, now this is a guy you look and, and you're like, okay, this is a quality guy that can be a a, 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 a one or maybe a, a B, a, a quality second option on a championship team. And quickly, Mike, the identity of these this next team is defense. And they're going to have, it's it's going to be interesting because, Julius Randle said in the offseason that Leon Rose changed his life bringing in Tom Thibodeau because what Julius wanted, Mike, is somebody, a coach who held him accountable. And what better guy to do that than Tom Thibodeau? What better guy to do that than Tom Thibodeau? Just revolutionizing that Knicks organization. But it's going to get interesting because I think they'll get in. I think they'll be in a play-in tournament, and I think they'll get in the playoffs. Matter of fact, they're, uh, if they might get a, they might win a, a playoff series, Mike, if they get the, the four seed in the East. They might win a a playoff spot but it's 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 i think the knicks are setting themselves up mike for addition without subtraction and by what mm. i mean by that is you know you've got great players the the, the evolution of rj barrett this rj barrett really worked on his game mike last year uh, 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 i mean he was bad as a three-point shooter worked on his game worked on his game and now those looks that randall are getting double teamed they kick out to, to barrett those are going in and then, of course, they've got Toppin. 
they've got Emmanuel quickly. Obviously, he's a good friend of mine. We know why. Yeah, uh, but good uh, very good guy. So now, when when a young team is winning like this, and you start getting potential, and it's New York, you're forced to be like, damn, we got to trade one of these guys to get like a, a, a an all star, maybe a superstar to bring back fans in MSG and fans in New York. The Knicks are setting themselves up, Mike, to get and lure a superstar or a, a, a major all-star without subtraction, meaning without having to trade any other young assets because New York is going to sell itself. They see the culture change. They see what's going on there. You see that the team is buying into defense, buying into what Tibbs is telling them. That's what I mean by addition without subtraction. Typically, if you're a smaller market, you'd have to give up a lot to get like a, 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 a big name guy to come on your team and to build that culture. Knicks probably don't have to do that, and they're setting themselves up for that. Yeah, they definitely they they might not. And uh, like you said, they um they they they're having fun, man. And and this is one of the best things that uh, that could have happened this year for the NBA is that the Knicks are relevant and back and back in the the winning category, especially coming off the COVID year, because it it just makes the brand of basketball that much better, and it just brings that much more revenue and excitement back to the league. You know, um, the the like like LeBron like LeBron said, the Knicks are better when they when they, when they the NBA is better when the Knicks are winning. And that's very true, and you, you're very, you're seeing it right now because they're doing this with no superstars. They're doing it with a, a collection of, of of solid and great, to great role players that that are all playing their position, that are all buying into Tom Thibodeau's system. And like you said, defensively, they 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 they've bought in all the way from the start of the season. Offensively, they've gotten better as the year progressed. Uh, they they they've struggled mightily offensively for most of the season, and then for the latter part, especially during that nine game winning streak, they they definitely uh. They they definitely offensively stepped it up uh, tremendously, but yeah, yeah, man, this team is setting it up for the future. Uh, we love what Leon Rose has done as far as b- building the culture, bringing in certain pieces that make sense, uh, that fit with each other. And uh, next year, I expect a, a big time free agent or maybe a couple to to join this team and make some make some run at a potentially uh, top team in the Eastern Conference. And when you have a, a position like the Knicks and the Nets both relevant at the same time. And, and, and really making a buzz that that just that's just huge for uh, for New York City. And don't be surprised if we get a potential uh, <clears throat> potential playoff matchup um, b- between these two guys because they're definitely uh, they're definitely promoting it heavy. Yeah, and as it stands, Mike, right now, Mike, it would be a second round matchup because the one plays the four. I do, yeah. and and I think New York is fourth right now as it stands. And you know, like, hey, they they they, they would be playing either the the Charlotte Hornets, my Celtics, or the Miami Heat and the way they're playing right now, if they get home court, who's to say that they can't win that series? That would set up a gigantic second round matchup in New can can you imagine headlines in New York? The the let's let's just say Mike you your 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 <laughs> editor told you to write a periodical on a second round matchup, Nets and Knicks second round matchup in the semis. Can you imagine a seven game series like that? How buzzing the New York Times paper would be you'd you'd be a star. Oh, my, oh yeah, my yeah. my number's going up that day. So I'm yeah. you <laughs> it's you crazy there for sure. Speaking of hottest team, the Wizards as well. Quickly, Ooh. Mike, the nine in a row. In fact, actually nine out of the last ten, they lost to the Spurs uh, yeah. in double OT a few days ago. But quickly, Mike, they they went from twelve quickly to eight, and all yeah. of a sudden they're in the play-in tournament. And I would mm-hmm. beg to say this, right? Your reward, the new new uh, the Brooklyn Nets, is if you were to get in a hot. Bradley Beal, right? Who's the real, real deal? 
And then the modern day Oscar Robinson and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, Mike, I mean, he is, he's got to be Oscar of, of, of today's day. I mean, the ability for him to just have a knack around the rim to get rebounds, just the ability, the tenaciousness, the viciousness in which every game he brings that energy and, and that edge to this team. And all of a sudden, Mike, Wizards is some, a team you got to watch out for because Russ can get 30. He 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 can impact a series, and also Bradley Beal the scoring ability that he has as well. The the Wizards they're in the bottom tier at defending, but they've got guys that can put up the the ball at the at the basket, and that is going to be tough because in the postseason when palms get sweaty, they have two guys that can get there. So the Wizards are riding high at the right time. They are, we are, and and and, and shout, shout out to the Washington Wizards. It's been a joy to watch over the last few weeks. Uh, it's been a lot of uh, rotation and lineup changes for the Wizards throughout the season, Sebi. Uh, Westbrook didn't come into the season at 100%. He had to get his legs under him. Bill was carrying the fort. Then when Westbrook came back, Bill was out for a little bit. So so it, so they you finally got an opportunity to see them healthy at the same time playing together. And once they once they locked in, you started to see some momentum and chemistry flowing. And, and that, that that's what took place during that nine-game winning streak. I mean, this team, you, you got a rotation of great pieces. Davis Bertans has uh, has come to life and really finished the season off very strong. They had two big-time pieces in the trade that they picked up from Chicago in Hutchinson and Christian Gafford. Christian Gafford has been a, a huge piece at, at the center, at the backup center position behind none, none other than Robin Lopez, who has um, been, been, been very dominant in the paint and added a, a certain element outside of what Bill and Westbrook give you outside to this team. And, um, you know, his skill set in the block – has really helped us a lot. It's a lot of pieces are Ish Smith. I mean, there's so many rotational pieces coming together for this team at the right time. Scott Brooks has found a way to to really manage the lineup as well. And you, you're seeing the momentum come right in. And the, the, come on now, when you have Russell Westbrook on your team, you know the tenacity and the tenaciousness that he plays with on a night-to-night basis. That Everybody gravitates towards that. And everybody does. Bradley Bill came on ESPN to jump uh, the other day and said how much Westbrook motivates him uh, to, to go there, to go even much harder on a nightly, night to night out basis, and, and you're seeing that on this team, and so I'm excited for what I'm seeing for this team. Whether and Mike, I, I've got a question for you because you me. know what what John Wall meant for the community of of Washington, and not just right. on the court. Spent first eight ten seasons over there. Do right. you think that they made the right move trading Wall for Westbrook? Do, do you do you believe that? Right now, yes. Right now, I do yes because. Um, at the same time, you, we had, at the time when they made the move, it was so much question about whether or not John Wall was going to be that same guy coming off the injury. You knew Westbrook was going to be that same ten, bring that same tenacity, and his injury wasn't as um, potent and as, as 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 serious as John Wall's was, and he hadn't missed as much time as Wall did too. So yes, at the time, you see where they were coming from. It hurt to let go of John Wall, but Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook. So once he got healthy and he got his legs on him and he became 100%, you started to see the value of those triple-doubles. You started to see the value of his, his, uh, his uh, tenacity, tenacity on a night-to-night basis and how it resulted to winning. He was making winning plays, you know. And obviously, we lost against the Spurs, and it was, it was a bad performance at the end for him. But throughout the season, he's been making winning plays. And, yes, I, w- I would say for the near future and for, you know, a few years after that, potentially, we definitely made the right move. Absolutely. Definitely, there are things to come there for sure. Quickly, before we leave, something interesting that caught my eye, Mike, the Utah Jazz. I actually uh, had a great conversation with one of their members, Mr. Trent Forrest, um, earlier. Yes, very good job. Again, great, great, great guy, great kid. 
Um, hoping that he definitely makes an impact for that team. Best record in the league. Only team this year, Mike. Top three on offense, top three in defense. They've got a lot of things working for them, right? A lot of things. You talk about their, their coaches in contention for coach of the year. Rudy Gobert, again, in contention for defensive player of the year. J.C., Jordan Clarkson, I believe, is the leading candidate for sixth man of the year. And Donovan Mitchell, he may not win it, but his name's got to be mentioned somewhere in that MVP conversation. A lot of great things for his team. But the Timberwolves, right? The, a team that is probably looking at a top three pick of next year's draft. They swept the season series three times. Can you believe that? The, the Timberwolves beat the Jazz three times. And you know what, do, what that does? This isn't the 90s. This isn't the 80s. This is the modern day NBA and this is the modern day technology. What teams are going to do is we've got tape, we've got film. We're going to see what 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 the Wolves did against the Jazz, right? Remember that notion I said uh, the Wolves are probably the Bucks of the Western Conference, but I'd take Denver in the postseason obviously. Now now you know Jamal Murray's uh, that's that that uh prediction may be out the door, but it's something to think about because the Clippers have tape on that, right? The, the the Lakers probably got some tape on that, don't they? Phoenix, right? They they can't be dismissed, although we've never seen Phoenix in uh, <laughs> contention for meaningless basketball this late in the season since the Steve Nash days. But they can't mm-hmm. be dismissed, and of course, you still got Denver, right? Jokic said, "Don't dismiss us, right?" I'm I'm a leading candidate for MVP. We've got tape on y'all. We, we I see what Carl uh, Anthony Towns is doing against you guys. You don't think I can do that? But even better. And then, and, and of course, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So it, it's interesting. The Jazz, to me, right, uh, they believe that this season is, is, their, is their time. Obviously, last three years, they've been bounced out in the first round. So um, they've, they felt like they've corrected everything and this is their moment. But it's, it, it's alarming to me, Mike, because Cat throughout this uh, three three meetings they, against some average 26. You, mm-hmm. Yes, Jokic. There is a guy named Porzingis. There is even Anthony Davis in that conference. So that's something that should interest people. Like, what did the, you, what did the Wolves do that could be, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that teams can gimmick or, 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 or see? that they can do against the Jazz come postseason time. It's something to think about, Mike. Yeah, uh, I, f- I feel like it's something to think about. At, at the same time, when it comes to these regular season wins about about certain teams that are subpar, that, 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 that might have the upper advantage or might have the edge on some of the top-tier teams, a lot of it has to do with – it's a few factors that might come into that. It might, it might just be a matchup thing where they just match up better than you at that time. It might be a situation where you played them on a back-to-back or the fourth game in three nights and you're just tired – or you might have a situation where in that last game for the, between the Wolves and the Jazz where Donovan Mitchell was hurt, you know, by, by that time and he didn't play. And, and, and it was an unforced error. I mean, the Jazz came all the way back in that game, and then they had a defensive error late, and, and D'Angelo Russell hit the game winning layup. But uh, it, it, that game could have went either way. But either way, either way, Minnesota took it, took it over. But this is one of those situations where in the regular season sometimes it just depends on when you play a team, the matchups, who's, who's injured at a certain time, who plays on that night, you know, with back to back some teams, some players, they wrestling with low management and stuff like that. So it's I, I as far as far as a formula's concerned, I don't really see a formula that they, they did. They just played better and got up for the Utah Jazz, in my opinion, in the regular season more so. D'Angelo Russell has played well for against the uh, against the Jazz this year too, when when they matched up, especially that last game when they played. He had a very good game too. So it's just a matchup thing. It's it's just a matchup thing and when you play him. 
and uh, the regular season thing. But as far as the playoffs and the seven game series, I don't see anything that the Wolves that the Wolves did for the Jazz that would um that would um like make a blueprint on stopping them. Because the Jazz, the Jazz, in my opinion, if all if healthy, this is one of the best best opportunities they have with their with the weapons that they have on this team. Things to come there for sure, Trent Trent Forrest. Early in our conversation, said that they've got a lot of things, a lot of great pieces. Oh, we'll yeah. see if they can do something that even Stockton and Malone couldn't do, Mike, and that's win a title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see if the Jazz can do it. When we come back, two fantastic guys, our version of Mel Kiper and Todd McShay, the guru returns. You know how before he is. And a, a, another exciting guest, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, Inside Studio Z. And we are back here in our second episode here on today's radio show, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, our draft, our 2021 draft special. And what better than the two best draft analysts, guys, that I know, Daniel Alameda and also the guru, our, our, our good friend of mine. They said guru knows all, but he's also a fool, too. But <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you guys here. Yes, sir. I First off, I appreciate you for having us on, man. Like I said, this we were talking about before the, before the show started. This is Christmas time, man. This is the best time of the year. And as you said, it's 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 awesome to be able to talk talk a little shop with you boys. Awesome, yeah, bro. man. I feel like I feel like it's an ambush. I feel like you guys set me up. You know, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like it's a setup. I didn't get the memo. Look, and I came in there now. Nah, now nah, you guys are about to straight murk me now. Nah, nah man. Nah. <laughs> uh, funny don't know what, man. You hey, Daniel, hey, Daniel, it's nice to meet you, brother. Yes, sir. Nice to meet you, too, Michael. Likewise. All right, fellas. Well, we should start. Well, I, I, this is the time where I, I take a step back and I just say, hey, um, I, I want to know the draft board. I, I let you guys do, do your thing. Um, when we talk about the first top 10 picks, what you guys are looking at, um, should, should we go team by team? And it's it's. I mean, it's it's up to you guys. However, you guys want to do this, I we can talk for that. hours and hours on end, man. Let's 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 get right into it. I'm with, right, I'm with well, that. Well, I'm with let, that. Let's clear. We 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 kind of know where the number one pick is going. I think it's unanimous <laughs> that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Any anybody has a different. Nah. So we might as well give Daniel that pick. You know the unanimous one because that's the one we're not going to battle against. So we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Danny, Danny what's the, it's, it's no, it's no, it's no, no hesitation on Trevor Lawrence, huh? Oh yeah, no. I mean, this is this is pretty much the lock of the draft. I think the 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 draft starts later. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is pretty much a shoe in to be the Jaguars franchise quarterback. I, I I'm curious to see how he does though, right? I think mm. everyone's pretty much shooing him in to be a Hall of Famer. They're saying, oh, he's this all world talent. I'm not so sure about that just yet. It's because. The biggest thing is for quarterbacks, people don't understand it's all about situation, right? I have this platform right now to talk about the draft, and I just want everyone to know quarterbacks are all about situation. So Trevor Lawrence, he's got the talent. Now you just hope that the Jaguars organization can surround him with the adequate talent that he needs to succeed. Well, let's go to um, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I call them the M-E-S-S, mess, mess, mess. So, uh, so what, 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 what's, the, what, what's, what's the faith of the Jets, the second pick here? Because that's a, there's a lot of Zach Wilson, this, Zach Wilson, that. Uh, to me, he's the fifth best quarterback to me. But uh, wow. what, what's, your, what's, what's your stance, fellas, on, on, on that? What, on what you got on y'all boards? Guru. 
Well, honestly, so as we all know, like, just like the first two picks, it's kind of set in stone as far as the number two pick. You know, uh, they're going with Zach Wilson. I mean, we could all agree on that, if not, you know, concise. And and honestly, I, 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 the draft process is a relationship situation. Like, I always describe people. People draft who they're attracted to. It's like getting a mate. It's like getting a partner. You know what I mean? And the thing about a defensive-minded head coach, one thing we know about a defensive head coach, man, being a defensive player, one thing that gives defensive co- um, coordinators fits is guys that could create plays off script. Guys that could do strip off script because you could plan the best defense, but when the guy just do something, boom, scramble here or make a spin move there. And Zach Wilson is by far the best off script, um, off schedule quarterback in this draft. So that's why to me it was just a, a normal um, gravitation as far as um, I'm attraction, attraction. A defensive coordinator like that type of style, and Zach Wilson is the best in the draft at that type of style. That's why to me it was an easy synergy for the Jets picking Zach Wilson. Yeah, I, I think just to, just to add on to that, Sebi, what you were also talking about is. He may not be my number two guy on the board, but that's where he's going to go, right? I think, I mean, Justin Fields, I have over him. Trey Lance, I have over him. So this, by him being the number two overall pick, does not mean he will have major success because, as we said, hey, it's all about the situation, but that's where he'll end up going. Okay. Interesting. Mike, you want to go with the third? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Um, Fellas, I want to know your perspective on on the 49ers pick. Obviously, they they, they, – They went up this high to potentially get a quarterback. A lot of people have Mac Jones potentially going there. Um, You know, I I haven't heard too many people bring up Justin Fields, but Mac Jones seems to be the guy to to go there. What's your thoughts on that? And how how much immediate success do you see him having? So, I listen, I have full faith in Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, right? These guys, they built a Super Bowl contending roster. They have one of the best offenses in the league. They've built one of the best defenses in the league. So I have faith in them. I just find it very hard to believe that they're going to take Mac Jones. And here's why. Mm, Jimmy Garoppolo this year, and I know Guru. Guru loves himself some good old Jimmy G, man. (laughs) He loves them porn star Jimmy. (laughs) But, But being completely honest, right, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a better quarterback this year than Mac Jones. And this 49ers team is ready to contend for a Super Bowl this season. That's why I see it so hard to say, hey, they're taking Mac Jones. So my perspective on this is I trust in Kyle Shannon. I trust in John Lynch. But I would take Trey Lance or Justin Fields over Mac Jones. I would not have traded nine spots to go get Mac Jones. Mm, okay. Interesting. I hear you on that. That's very interesting. What's your, what's your take on that, Guru, as far as the 49ers and what they're going to do? Dude. And I got it totally, totally. Obviously, Danny, you know I'm anti anything you say when it comes to this type of, <laughs> when it comes to this type of this situation right here, especially the quarterback situation. Yeah. I know how you feel about quarterbacks. So, anyways, now Matt Jones is the ultimate fit. Now, this is like they went peanut butter met jelly and they met a bill of bread. You're like, oh my goodness, we just found the recipe of success here, man. Matt Jones. Fit everything, excuse me, y'all. I'm going through my doors, but Mac Jones uh, fit all the mold you would want for his Kyle Shanahan offense because, as we all know, Kyle Shanahan is the rock star in his offense. Kyle Shanahan likes to scheme plays, and one thing he hates, knowing Kyle Shanahan history, he hates guys that do things off script. He's anti Robert Salah. He likes guys that do what he's told. He's like, hey, throw the door slant in three hitch. 
you better throw a slant in three hits. It's just like a Matt Ryan, just like a, a Matt Schaub, just like those guys. Those fit a Kyle Shanahan's mantra. Even in D.C. with a Kirk Cousin, even our backup was um, Colt McCord. In 49er, you got Tyler Bedford. All those guys resemble. This guy's telling us who he is. He got a history. If a human being tell you this is who I like, every year he gets the same caliber quarterback, damn it, he's going to get Mark Jones because that's who he fits his style. Guru, question, right? Like, answer this honestly. <laughs> is Mac Jones better than Jimmy Garoppolo this year? Yes. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> yes. This is this is that that's completely false, and I'm gonna tell you why. Right, Mac, Jones, Mac Jones only played 300 snaps at the collegiate level. Jimmy Garoppolo has played over five, six seasons at the NFL level. Jimmy Garoppolo has led a team to the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo has been with his team. Jimmy Garoppolo has been under Kyle Shannon's system for the past three years. He is ready this year. Mac Jones is not. Right, you're not going to put Mac Jones in day one and see the success that Jimmy G had with this team. I'm not denying that Mac Jones could be a fit, but this season, if you're going for a Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo is a far better quarterback than Mac Jones, and I will stand by that. So, and, I, so and, I, and, I, and I definitely disagree for many reasons. First, you want I'm just going to throw out just to get it out the way. I don't even want to rag on it, but Jimmy G don't get help. Jimmy G misses games, so that's guaranteed. Who can Jimmy G's gonna? There's a high possibility. There's more chance of Jimmy G getting hurt than finish the season. That's the stats. We know that, the possibility. So with that said, Mark Jones Jones coming in, one thing you also got to realize, he ran similar play sets that um, Kyle Shannon and them run. So the terminology, it's going to be an easier transition. This guy is a bona fide quarterback. Yes, he didn't get the same reps as you can, but he played in big-time games. Jimmy G don't know about big-time games. He chokes in big-time games. Now, the what Kyle Shanahan wants is a guy that when he says, hey, I'm going to design a post, you throw the ball in a post. That's all he's looking for because he's the one that's designing the plays. It's not about the quarterback in the system. It's about him in the system and making sure the guy do as he tells him to do. And I think Mark Jones is better than Jimmy G in that retrospect. And yeah, I I, I just disagree. But that's we'll, we'll we'll move on. We'll agree to disagree. But I I just heavily disagree, man. Jimmy G's ready this year. Matt Jones won't be. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike, this is why we sit back and we just watch, right? <laughs> let, let them go ahead and battle it out. Yeah, absolutely. Fellas, we'll go ahead and continue. Atlanta at four. This is interesting because Julio Jones is in talks um, of uh, in trade packages. We're uncertain about what Matt Ryan done is going to be. Is this the end of an era uh, for Atlanta? Are they looking for a quarterback? You know, in this league, you need a quarterback to win. So. Atlanta, what do they do at four? Do they get a skill position player? Do they keep Julio? What 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 is Atlanta looking like? All all, all I know is Atlanta will not take quarterback, right? And I, mm-hmm. I've been saying this for the past three months of this entire draft cycle. And the reason is they brought a new head coach, they brought in a new GM, right? But you still the top fifteen offense in the league, right? Even though you, you you're picking number four overall, you still had a top fifteen offense in the league. And Matt Ryan, what they did was they restructured his contract. So there is no way to get out of his contract for the next two years. And I'm trust me, we've seen Arthur Smith turn around the career of Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. And why would he not be able to do that here in Atlanta? I think he's going to work with Matt Ryan. I think he's going to work with this offense and see what they can accomplish before drafting a quarterback. I don't see them going quarterback here. So what do you see? That's what's tough. I think preferably a trade down. 
right? I mean, we saw the rumors about the Lions trying to trade up for Jamar Chase to the spot. Mm. I think a trade down is the best option because you got a lot of holes on this team. If you don't trade down, I think you you have to go Kyle Pitts. But I yeah. think trade down, I would take a trade down 90% of the time. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love Kyle Pitts at that spot at this, as for the Falcons, especially with everything you were just saying, Daniel, about trying to get the best out of this offense. You know, yes. running that one, they're running that 12 personnel with the one running back and the two tight ends. Yep. Kyle Pitts could be a perfect fit for this uh, Falcons team. Yes, sir. Yeah. See, see, once it's it's like once again, I keep saying it's it's, it's a nobody. Like this draft is not a science. Like it's like some people look at, oh, I'm looking at the prospect. No, 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 no. So this is what I do. All right, I study the people, the decision makers. I don't care about the prospect. You know what I'm saying? Because I know the decision makers is going to lead me to the prospect. And just like every human being, and this is my new word. I'm telling you, I you know what I'm saying like every human being leave trails. All right. My man over here, uh, Arthur Smith, he's a tiding whisperer. He's a tiding specialist. That's what he's known for. He's not a quarterback whisperer. Don't look. If you're, whoever's telling y'all is buffoonery. This man's career is a tight end whisperer. Check his resume. All right? So right now, you have the greatest tight end in the prospect that's ever to come in the draft, probably in the last 30 years, right? And then your specialties, it's, it's a tight end. What in the hell do you think you're going to do, bro? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, it's like if you're normal, I've just broken down into math easy. You are in college right now, Daniel. It's a math <laughs> equation. You know what I'm saying? You specialize in you specialize in tight end. You have the, the best tight end in the draft available in the last 20 years. And you have in position to draft that position, guy. And what are you gonna do as a human being? You're gonna take Kyle Pitts, take that to the bank. And if you want to put Fox bet on that, take that to the bank number four. Uh, I hear that one. Yeah, moving, moving, moving on forward. Go ahead. Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on to number five. Now, now, fellas, this one's tricky for me, fellas, for two reasons. One, because the Bengals at number five is it's a, it's a tricky spot because I see them going either two spots. I see them going either getting an offensive lineman or potentially getting a wide receiver. And now, I agree now, with both now, of those, Mike. Now, 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 I, now, I know they want Jamar Chase because of how special he would be on the outside for Burrow. But seeing as how Burrow's season ended last year and how many times he got hit at the quarterback position and he got in the injury because of it, I see them potentially going with the O-lineman. And, I mean, do we have an alignment out there that's better than Panay Sewell at this moment? So, all I'm going to say is this pick is a lock, right? If – if Jamar Chase is on the board, they're taking him. And I'm, I, like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't and, and I'm telling you, listen, I have I have sources at the Right Way Sports Center where we got our people, and I'm telling you this is a lock. Take this one to the house. Jamar Chase will be a Cincinnati Bengal if wow. he's on the board at five. Guarantee you. I, I agree with you with that, Daniel, just because of their success in LSU. Um, I, I think these two combined, because people forget, they won a national title together, Joe Burrow and Chase. They put up almost 18 touchdowns together. I think, and, and then on the top of that, a, the departure of A.J. Green to Arizona, that that becomes a major hole now for a number one. And can you imagine Tyler Boyd on one side with Jamar Chase in the I mean, I, I think that you have to put weapons around your franchise cornerstone pillar player in Joe Burrow, and I agree with Daniel. It's a lock. It has to be uh, a chase at five. How yeah, hard is it, how, fellas, how hard is it to pass up on a, on, a, on, a, on a lineman like this potentially for the Bengals? Guru? 
Well, to be uh, this this is a hard situation because you know just like you guys, I heard um you know it's coming down to Swell and and Jamar Chase. And to be honest with you, and and frankly, when you look at this draft, fellas, like as much as I want Swell, and personally, I think that's the draft. But I won't be shocked if they do end up going with Chase. Just the fact that this is one of the best and the deepest offensive line draft classes in in recent years, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got some ballers, bro. They got 10 yeah. to 12 offensive line that could be a legitimate starter day one in this draft available. You know, so I can see them sliding and get themselves a, a couple of offensive tackles or alignment in the second round. Uh, but honestly, for Zach Taylor's sake, and if the Bengals have any type of competency, they will go with Pernell Sue. But because they are the Bengals and they don't have any competency, <laughs> They probably will go with Jamar Chase. So, so hold on, Guru. I disagree with you there. I think um, competency is uh, – that's a very strong word to use. I think they're going about this the right way, right? I mean, you get Jamar Chase at five, and at the, at the, at the beginning of the round two, you can go offensive tackle, offensive line, interior offensive line. The offensive tackle class is extremely deep. And if you want your star receiver, you go out and pair him with your star quarterback. So, like I said, offensive line is a major issue. But there's still going to be a ton of value at the beginning of round two. I, I don't think this has anything to do with the Bengals organization being incompetent. I think this is them just taking what's best for them. If you get Jamar Chase at five and an offensive tackle at 35, I'm happy with that. I, I, I agree with Daniel. I agree with Daniel here because here, here's the thing. Um, you can always get an offensive lineman. He may not be as dominant as Jason Peters or, or, or Kelsey or any of these guys. Um, but, you know, Jamar Chases don't grow on trees. This You thought Justin Jefferson was good? Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you see this guy. Wait yeah. till you see this guy. And we all we know what Justin Jefferson did as a rookie. Wait till you guys see this guy. Man. Yeah, I, like I said, I understand you guys. I get it. Like, I, I, I'm not like this pick is one of those picks. I, yeah, I, I, it's like when I saw your quarterback get de- decapitated, you know, like we all saw the Bengals last year. You know, like this dude, like it's, it's, it's negligence if you don't protect this dude. It's negligence of the organization if you don't protect this dude. Yes, I feel yeah. you want to give him weapons, but holy smoke, bro, the dude got destroyed last year. Decapitated last year, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah so, yeah. We'll I'll move on there. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, move on. Moving on to the the Detroit Lions. Obviously, we know what happened. We got the, the, the Dolphins. Oh man, I missed one. Excuse me. <laughs> the, the, the Miami Dolphins. Um, now obviously, um, Miami, we see what Miami's doing. Where do you see Miami going with this draft? Um, uh, as far as this one, the, I a lot of people are saying they go Devontae Smith. A lot of people are saying they go wide receiver, but I still think that they go Panay here. If Panay's on the board here, I think you go offensive line. You protect your quarterback, and I think that's the move, right? Their receiving room is not terrible. You got Preston yeah. Williams on one side. You got Devon. You got Will Fuller in the slot. I think you got talent on this team, and obviously Devontae Smith would be a, a great addition to the team, but I think you go out and you get your franchise offensive tackle, Panay Sewell. I think they go offensive tackle here. See, okay. this is when I had it in my switch room. I had the Dolphins actually taking Chase and the Bengals taking Pernell. But mm. either way, yeah. I, think, I think either way, whichever could flip a rule, I, I agree with both of them on this one. I think if they take Chase, it would be Pernell. And if they take Pernell, it would be Chase, in my opinion. Guys, yeah. guys, I've learned something in this conversation already. You guys have taught me um, I should understand no-brainers. This is a no-brainer here. <laughs> this is a no-brainer. Tua. 
Alabama. It, it's 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 a done deal. Now it's gonna be an Alabama guy. I don't know what Alabama guy because I do have Chase going five. Is it Waddle or is it Smith? It's it's gonna be an Alabama guy. They're trying mm. to repair that magic that they had back with Nick Saban, Alabama. I personally would go Waddle because I I, I understand Devontae Smith is gonna be perfect. I mean he's great, elite speed quickness and everything but the size worries me and i would go waddle people tend to forget waddle is just as good as as smith here and i think they're just trying to pair that up and if you can have waddle in the play the x inside in the slot and you can have will fuller on the outside and and, and Devontae parker on the opposite side you Devontae parker is going to get opportunities can't double no more because will fuller and waddle is there I, I would go waddle at six but I think it's a done deal. It's an Alabama guy. I just don't know which one. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I had a rotating as well as far as back and forth, um, you know, Waddle or Panay. Either, either one was good with me. Moving on to the the, the, the the Detroit Lions. Now, obviously, fellas, we know that they traded for Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. Right, but if Jared Goff is going to be your guy, you would want to get some weapons right there. What's your thoughts on potentially – I know we talked about Jaden Wilder or Smith. What's your points on them potentially getting one of the Alabama receivers or one of the top receivers up in the draft? This 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 is a pick where they could go anywhere, right? The Lions, they need so much. You got new head coach Dan Campbell. He's got his work cut out for him, right? He's, he, they have a ton of holes, offensive tackle. You can go, you go wide receiver. You can even go quarterback, right? But at the end of the day, mm. I still think that's very similar to the new head coach with Arthur Smith in Atlanta. I think the Lions with Dan Campbell, I think he rolls with Jared Goff for a year, right? I think, I think he gives Jared Goff a year. He says, hey, let's make it work, and let's go wide receiver. So I think they'll go wide receiver here. Uh, Jamar Chase is preferably the option if he does fall. But with the Bengals looking like they're going to take him, you go best wide receiver available. Devontae Smith is at him there. So I go Devontae Smith here. Oh, okay. I like that one. See, this you? one – this one, I think Detroit got to trade down. Um, I think this is a prime quarterback situation. I, I think team's going to be moving up. Uh, yeah. Because just like you said, Detroit needs so much. I really don't see Detroit staying here. But um, if we're just doing it for, for this sake, if they do stay, I'm going to still give them the same pick. I would give them if they do trade down. Um, I think Dan Campbell, man, I mean, he wants to bite ankles. He wants to do all this. He wants to do all this crazy shit. Uh, so with that said, <laughs> you go get the baddest mofo in the draft, bro. The baddest mofo in this draft is Penn State linebacker Michael mm, Parsons. Michael Parsons. Set okay. a culture, set a tone. You want to bite ankles? You want to? You want to rip teeth? You want to do all that? You go get the the dude in the draft that will set that tone for your for your your stay as the head coach. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like that. Carolina at eight. Now, now, obviously, we know there was a trade that happened today. Teddy's going to Denver. Uh, we know that that Carolina is moving up. I think Carolina is moving up because they see opportunities for quarterback here. So yep. that's that's what I'm suspecting. What do you think, Daniel? Oh man, I I don't think that they're going to go QB, right? I th- I think mm. I you got Sam Darnold on the team. You got rid of Teddy Bridgewater, so you're doing that for a reason because you trust in Sam Darnold. So I, I think they go offensive attack, right? I, if, if, if Sewell is here, I would love that. But if Sewell's not here, I think you go Rashawn Slater, right? I mean, yeah. receiver, I don't really think they need to go receiver, even though, I mean, if especially if Chase, Smith, and Waddle are all off the board, 
I think your offensive tackle, I would love to see Sean Slater here to the Panthers. Mm. I think this is another trade situation for the Panthers because the quarterbacks are still available. So I think, you know, just for another situation. But if the Panthers are going to pick, I do, do think they're going to pick a left tackle. Um, Slater will be an excellent, excellent choice. Um, but I see them picking um, – yeah, I like this guy from Texas, Samuel Cosme. I know he might be too high just for our sake, but on the draft, when I think they're going to trade down, just the fact that he played in the Big 12, and, and, and Matt Rule knew know about him. He played against him, and he's very familiar with him. So I see him getting a, a left tackle he's very familiar with in that conference, and they got a couple of those guys in that conference, and I think Samuel Cosme will fall down to, to the Panthers. Interesting, yeah. The, the Denver Broncos, they, they picked next. And um, obviously, they, they've tried a quarterback for over the years, ever since Peyton Manning. They've had 10 quarterbacks ever since Peyton Manning, and it just hasn't worked out. Do you see them potentially going quarterback this year or, or, or beefing up that offensive line? I, I completely disagree with the quarterback situation or the quarterback stance, right? I think we interviewed Shelby Harris the other day, and he said the locker room loves Drew Locke, right? And obviously, mm. the locker room's not the one making the decisions, but okay, he said they're going to ride with Drew Locke for one more year. Okay, okay, you saw they went out and they traded for Teddy Bridgewater today, right? So Teddy Bridgewater is going to mentor Drew Locke, or he'll be their starting quarterback. So I know we talked about the Lions and the Panthers trading down. This is where I would love to see my Patriots trade up for Justin Fields. Yes, I would yes, yes. Great minds think this. alike. Great minds think right alike. Right here. If I'm the Broncos, I'm trading down, acquiring more assets so I can go out and maybe get a cornerback. But I, I would trade up if I'm the Patriots here, take Justin Fields. But for the sake of this, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to say they go Micah Parsons. Right, the Broncos need need a little bit of help on the defensive side. Go Micah Parsons, or you go an offensive tackle. I'll take Micah Parsons here. But as I said, trade down would be heavily preferred. Hmm. I, I, I agree. I agree as well because you look at Dallas at ten; they've got a QB. The Giants have a QB. Uh, Philadelphia's in the neighborhood of looking for a QB, but they're they're probably not looking at that at twelve. And I'm pretty sure the Chargers have their guy in Justin Herbert. So if New England, I thought that Mac Jones would be there. But if in any world Justin Fields is up, you go ahead and you go get him. I think this guy is the most athletic and freakish athletic thing that we've seen. You talk about uh, uh, defensive coordinators having nightmares. <laughs> okay, try to cover 4-4 speed. Um, yeah. This guy can – you can play the pistol option, the read option. I know he's going to be a project throwing the football. But I saw enough against Clemson, which is sort of like a NFL style, you know, defense. Yep. And then he ripped them apart. So uh, you got it, New England. You got to get this guy. Yeah, and I think obviously I think Drew Love stinks. Um, <laughs> I really do. No, no. Like I think his numbers show that. I don't think he's. I don't think he's he's filled for the game. I don't. I, don't, I think he's lacking the feel for the game. So I think if the Broncos don't pick a quarterback, they're prolonging the situation. And I and I think with the move they just made with um, Teddy Bridgewater, that just showed me that they're not going to draft a quarterback uh, coming up. So uh, since I already got, I already went with Michael Parsons, went with uh, with the Lions. So with this one, I think the Lions and the Broncos going to go in the secondary. I see them picking one of the corners. Um, I'll go with J.C. Horn uh, for this situation with the Denver Broncos. Mm. Okay. Just.
We got Dallas at 10, America's team, right? America, they they, they they want pits. They want that. They want this. But we know the Dallas Cowboys have deficiencies on the defensive. And, um, and, and, and a lot of people are saying, get pits because the way you help your defense is outscore people, then they play catch. At this point, pits is probably going to be out the board. What is the America's or quote-unquote America's team doing at 10? Well, at 10, I like the Cowboys. Obviously, defensively, you're right. I mean, they were one of the worst defensive teams in, uh, in all of football, probably in the whole world last year. Um, <laughs> and they got to they target, target the D-line, but it's too early in a sense to get anybody, I, I believe, at this time, defensive line-wise. So then they got to go with the stuff, um, secondary. And I think pairing up um, Diggs and, and, and um, Sertain, I think that would be a good situation. So I see the Cowboys with them switching to that cover three scheme with uh, with Dan Quinn over there drafting Patrick Sertain uh, to back up mm. with um, Trey Diggs last year. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, thought, I thought potentially J.C. Horn uh, would get picked right here to go opposite uh, Trayvon Diggs. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely I definitely like, like, like Patrick Sertain at that spot as well. Daniel, the Dallas Cowboys at 10, what do you think they'll do? What'd you say? The Dallas Cowboys at 10. So, like I said, I don't know if you guys could hear me. I think I lost a little bit of connection. Yeah, but yeah, um, Patrick Sertan is obvious, the obvious choice, but I would love for them to go out and get J.C. Horn. Right, I would mm. love for them to get J.C. Horn. He's one of my favorite corners in this class. He just has that dog in them, right? Yep. So, I'm not going to go chalk here. I'm going to go J.C. Horn. I think he's the best cornerback in the class besides Caleb Foley, but we know his injury concerns. I think they go J.C. Horn here. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, fellas, um, uh, moving on to the to, to the New York football giant at a ladder number 11. Now, now fellas, I, I, I got a question for both of you brothers because I'm, I'm stuck on this one. On one hand, I, I want us to get a big play wide receiver, potentially Devontae Smith, potentially, you know, Jalen Waddle, whoever's in that mix. However, I know the history of David Gettleman. David Gettleman has a history of picking the big brothers, especially in the middle. Do you see him going against the grain and getting a big play receiver? Or does he get cold feet later on and, and, and decide to go, go to his usual ways and pick a lineman on either side of the ball? Dude, we that's what I'm saying. We know who we are. Like, like you, <laughs> you gotta study who you are, bro. Like, let's do well, people show us who they are. I love me some day G dog. They, I know what David Gettleman is gonna do. I know what he's gonna do. You know what he's gonna do. We all know what he's gonna do. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna hit the um the offensive defensive line in this situation because you know my man is attracted to big, strong African looking motherfuckers. You know what I mean? So with that said, my man Quiddy Pay is gonna be sitting there, and it's gonna be hard for David Getterman to be like, "Oh my God, look at this dude, big, strong, the the, the athleticness he can do, the, the everything he brings to the table on that defensive line." I don't see the Giants passing up on that situation. No Dave Gettleman history, man. So look for them to take the best pass rusher in this draft, Quiddy Pay. Uh, Guru, real quick, I like listen, I'm telling you, if Micah Parsons is here, mm. right? If Micah Parsons is here, I think this is a lock, right? You got wow. Blake Martinez as their as their middle linebacker. He's a sure tackler. But if Micah Parsons could be here, I think David Gettleman will be running to the podium with that pick. Mm. Okay, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Sebi, I, like, I like that one. 
Uh, uh, that's that's that, that that would be great for you guys. Um, Philadelphia at twelve, the Eagles. Um, I think they're riding Hurts. Um, you know, said that they they want to see if Hurts can hurt them in the uh, in, in the division, or he can help them, or he can hurt them. So we'll see uh, what that happens. But there's a lot of holes on this Philadelphia team. Um, where, where, where are the birds going at 12? So the Philadelphia Eagles, as you said, they have a ton of holes. I think the biggest thing with this draft is, right, the way they're looking at their team is, hey, we have a ton of holes, so we need to start building with pure talent. Next year, they're going to have three first-round picks. So as you said about Jalen Hurts, they're going to see what he has this year, and they're going to head into next offseason looking to go get a quarterback. So all you have to do here, get as much as you can. The goal would be to get one of Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. If they're not there, I think you go J.C. Horn. If he's not there, I don't know. I don't know. I think if he's not there, you can go on offensive tackle. But the goal would be Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, or J.C. Horn for them. And I absolutely concur with that. And I go with Devontae Smith. I think he's going to fall right into him. The Eagles got a history of liking those type of receivers in that organization. They like the speed guys, Guru. They do. They like the speed guys. guys. You know, they talk skinny, skinny guys, man. You know what I'm saying? So he's he's just going to be another Deshaun Jackson topic. Like, I could go on with those type of receivers. So I think he's going to fit them perfectly. Uh, Devontae Smith over there with – and I like that, man. Hurts, rental car. And since since he's since he's only a rental quarterback for the Eagles this year, as we often know. <laughs> interesting, interesting there. Uh, Justin Herbert, he really surprised me last year. Um, the Chargers pick at thirteen. Um, this guy is he was special, really special. The, and what impressed me the most is the way that for su- uh, for such a young guy making the transition from the collegiate game to the pros, how his ability to read defenses and to process things. And then off script as well, make audibles and stuff. Like, I was impressed. His command of, you know, the, the huddle and everything. But you got to get him some weapons. Now, do you want to protect him with an offensive lineman or do you want to get him weapons? We know Hunter Henry is gone now. So they still got Keenan Allen. Eckler should be back next year. So what's, what's the Chargers looking at? So I've been on record saying this multiple times. The Chargers team was one of the most improved teams this offseason, right? And the reason is because, as you said, Justin Herbert, they got their star guy, right? Last year was his rookie season. He's only going to get better in his second year. I think he's going to have a massive, potentially even MVP caliber season, dare I say it. But the way he gets to that MVP caliber season is by building the offensive line. They went out, they got an offensive tackle in free agency. And the way you improve Justin Herbert's season, you go out and get him another offensive tackle in saw. So if I'm the Chargers, I think offensive line is the priority because in order to succeed with a quarterback, you have to give him an offensive line. I think they go offensive line here. And the Chargers this year could be dark horse, dark horse, dark horse Super Bowl contenders. I absolutely agree. That might be the only one we agree on other than <laughs> one. This is a, 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 a Derrick show right here. He automatically fit exactly what you're talking about. He's a clone. He looks like he's supposed to be protecting Justin Herbert. I mean, he's a high IQ, and he's a quiet animal guy. So, And I just think he's going to fit them perfectly, man. He's a leader, and, and I like that situation. And I, and I agree with you 100%. Uh, with Darius Show over there at the Chargers. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Do, do you guys see a potential where, where if Quiddy if Quiddy Pay is still there from Michigan, if he's still there, do you see the Chargers potentially getting him? 
I don't think so. And the reason is, I mean, you they they, they went out. They got they have Joey Bosa on their team. They went out and they got another guy gotcha. from the Vikings. I'm blanking on his name, but um, right now the Vikings are. I mean, the Chargers they have. They have defensive talent, right? Derwin James is returning from injury. Mm. You went out, you drafted Kenneth Murray last year. I think you do whatever it takes to protect that offensive, that your 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 offensive superstar. So I don't really see them <clears throat> going edge rusher. I see them one hundred percent protecting Justin Herbert and making him the best possible superstar he can be. Absolutely, and if, if they do make any move, it will be corner, if not offensive tackle. But I agree with you. I'm not ninety nine 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 percent sure. Is gonna be a, a, a offensive tackle. Gotcha. Speaking of the Minnesota Vikings, they're up at fourteen. Now, what what are the biggest needs, and where do you see them attacking their uh, attacking this NFL draft? <laughs> see this one right here, get me. This one I was going back and forth, man. It's like by the time I finish what I'm saying, I might be switching and, fa- and back and forth as well, man. That's how close it is. Um, they definitely need to show up the offensive line. Um, obviously, Riley Leaf um, is gone from last year. <laughs> Excuse me. And it definitely got to do something as far as your pass rush. Uh, this is Mike Zimmer, man. Mike Zimmer, don't he, last year was, was just embarrassment. This is not that. He's not that. That's not the way he coaches. So, obviously, that's going to be a, a precedent for him getting a pass rusher. I could see, like, a guy like a Jalen Phillips at this situation. Uh, but I also like the offensive lineman part of it, man. And I see them going right tackle, man. I, I could see them going right tackle in this situation, man. And and our right tackle, this is where I actually got um, Christian Slater. I think he would fit there. It's just, you know, for a geographical reason, I think he's going to slip. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to slip just the fact that he didn't play. And, you know, we all know about his size. So I think he's going to fit perfectly in Minnesota. Um, And he'll be out there at 14. So as you guys said, the Vikings, they can go multiple options. You got Mike Zimmer, who's, you know, he's a defensive-minded guy. I would love to see Jalen Phillips, who's by far and away my favorite pass rusher in the draft. I think if he stays healthy, stays on the field, he's going to be the best pass rusher from this year's class. But I actually, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going into your offensive lineman, US from USD, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. I think offensive line, they got to shore it up. They got to figure it out because, I mean, you're still rolling with Kirk Cousins. You got a strong offense. I think they go Elijah Vera Tucker and if not, Jalen Phillips. Um, I, I think defense. We know Zimmer's DNA. Um, he's a defensive guy. JC Horn, if he's there, I um, your guy. I know that's your guy. Yes, and, sir. Um, if he's there, I would take him. I don't think Parsons will slide that low. But last year, I saw Anthony Barr and and, and the other and Kendrick, if if I'm not mistaken, they they lost a step. I, I think that Micah Parsons could come in if he slides there. I don't know if he'll be there. Um, because we know we, we know Zimmer's DNA. He's a defensive guy. Um, or maybe you know find a replacement for one of the pass rushes that they lost. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Okay, that's very that's very uh, interesting. Um, wait, sir. Uh, the 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 Patriots at fifteen. Now uh, we both agree, uh, Daniel, that we think they'll move up at nine and get Justin Fields. But if they were to stay pat here, Guru, what would be what would be the pick? Uh, with this situation, I think, you know, Bill's going to try it again. Um, uh, they need something dynamic. They need a dynamic offensive player out there, man. The Patriots are like, <clears throat> I mean, they're like watching Princeton offense, like a D3 basketball playing D1 basketball program, you know? So, athletically, I think one of the best af- athletes um, they have is Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle will fit perfectly over there for Bill. You know, you could do screen, you could do reverse, you could do so many casualty stuff with him, man. Um, so I think that's who they need. Just you need to add an extra juice on the offensive side of the ball. 
Uh, Guru, I completely disagree with you, brother. I completely disagree with you. Listen, here's why. Um, I'm a Patriots fan, right? And I've seen what they've done this offseason. And obviously, I know the weapons aren't superstar caliber. You got Nikhil Harry. You got Jacoby Myers. You got... Um, Nelson Aguilar, right? I mean, Dude, you got guys you know you can't even say. That's when you know you got hold guys. On, Nelson hold Aguilar. On, hold on now, Guru. Hold on now, Guru. So you got Nelson Aguilar, you got Kendrick Warren, you got a lot of guys that can play a very specific role, whether it's being a deep threat or being a guy who thrives in the middle of the field or being a guy who thrives in shallow crossing. So with this Patriots team, right, they're running a lot of play action. They're running a lot of shallow crosses. Now you're going to be running a lot of two tight end sets with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. I don't think they go with the weapon here, right? I, I Bill Belichick understands he's not the best evaluator of talent. He tried with Nikhil Harry. hasn't really worked out so far. So I think that they go either defense or offensive line. I would love – I would love if Elijah Bear Tucker is still here at 15 because you just lost Joe Tooney in, in free agency. But if he's not there, I, why not go for Patrick Sertan? I think Patrick Sertan's a good option at corner. I know you still got two star corners, but best play available. I think they go defense. I just am willing to bet my house that they do not go with an offensive weapon. Man, I'm about, I'm about, hey. I get it. Don't don't. I'm gonna take that bet. It's <laughs> heavy <laughs> dialogue. That's 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 interesting. Uh, no, uh, Arizona improved this offseason. Obviously, you know Patrick Peterson left, but they they brought in AJ Green and guys. I, people tend to forget AJ Green was a top five receiver for a, a, a while, and I think he still got some juice left in him. Now you pair that up with Kyler Murray on, on one side. You still got Christian Kirk. You still got the ageless wonder in Larry Fitzgerald. And on top of that, one of the best wideouts in the game and Hopkins. Um, I, I think that this has to be offensive line. You got to protect uh, Kyle, uh, Kyler Murray just because, you know, his style of playing is running. And and he's a runner uh, off script. If you're not there, five seconds, six, six Mississippi, seven Mississippi, he's out. So he's going to get a beating. You want to protect him. I think it's an O-lineman. Um, I want to see what you guys think. Yeah, I think I think they did a little bit with the O line. This is off the free agent market. Uh, they brought in a, a couple of guys. They brought in one guy from the, from, I believe, from the Colts. I mean, from the Raiders. And uh, and I'm going blank right now. I want to say Rodney Hudson or some sort. But um, I think this pick right here, they needed they need to do something as far as secondary wise. Obviously, Pat P. leaving is a big situation. This is where I see them going in the back end. Uh, because right now, if you take Pat Pete out, you can't, you can't name the, uh, the the corners for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's, 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 that's a precedent. You need that, especially in a division where you have offensive geniuses. You know what I mean? So I see the Cardinals going with uh, um, Caleb Farley over here as far as our cornerback position. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I think yeah. I, I think cornerback is definitely the move for them, right? You, I would love if Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith falls here, but if not, you go cornerback. You lost Drake or Patrick. You lost Patrick Peterson. You take the best available cornerback here. I think Greg Newsom would be an awesome, awesome, awesome selection for them. If not, Asante Samuel Jr. I've been on the record saying multiple times he is one of my favorite right. players in the hey, draft. Hey, don't talk about my boy. Don't even <laughs> – hey, don't Guru. talk about my boy. I'm going to agree with you right now. Don't talk about my boy right now, man. Guru, man, me and you, we, we understand we got the same eyes in a certain aspect. <laughs> I, I think they go corner here. 
they go corner, and it's really whoever they want to take. But corner's the move for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cor- corner just makes more sense, and it also it helps out Buda Baker in that back, so he feels like he doesn't have to over overexert himself and do too much in that secondary uh, with, without some legit help. So I, I agree with that part. Uh, at seventeen, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, we see how you know how how they've been over the last couple of years, especially with John Gruden and stuff like that. What is what's some of the 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 moves you see you see them making this this NFL draft? Guru, you go first. Oh yeah, this is a no-brainer. This is another one. You take it to the bank, bro. They 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 they, they this man of the whole uh, offensive line. Like <laughs> they starting over. They don't have nobody offensive. <laughs> I know they got a couple of guys they like, but this is one of my favorite favorite offenses. My favorite player in the whole entire draft, man. Tevlin Jenkins, man, from Oklahoma State. This dude mm. is a beast, man. And my sources that tell me he looks like a Raider, he feel like a Raider, and I feel like John Gooden is going to draft this big monster. But if not, they're definitely identifying the offensive line. Guru, man, he took the words right out of my mouth. Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, he, he... He's a dog, right? The Oklahoma State coaching staff raved about his personality. They raved about his on-field performance. And they said, hey, this guy's a mauler. This guy's going to work his tail off in practice. And he is a big boy. The Raiders, this is such a classic John Gruden pick. I think this is offensive line. or If not, you can see them go linebacker like a JOK from Notre Dame. But pretty much, I think offensive line is where they're going to go. And Tevin Jenkins fits the bill. The the Miami Heat, Miami Wow, Miami Dolphins pick. <laughs> Miami Dolphins pick at 18. This is their second pick in the first round. So uh, obviously they probably have an idea of what they want to do. What at 18 with two picks in the first round, what do you think uh Blind Brian Flores' staff is doing? So it's this is the hard part, right? I think they're the, the second pick that they have. This could go any way. So I'm not gonna tell you straight up like, hey. I know exactly who that pick is. I don't. That's, that's, that's the reality behind it. But I think a couple options you can go for. You can go best player available. And I think two options, <sighs> Najee Harris, right? Obviously, Najee mm. Harris is an option. I still think the they do need a move, running back. Yep. I still think the smarter move is to wait till round two. But you either go Najee Harris here or best player available, whoever they have highest on their board, like a Jalen Phillips or a Quiddy Pay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely with this one, I have just just because I have the Dolphins going offensively, uh, obviously with a receiver, I think this is when they come and get uh, offensive linemen as far as uh, to solidify another one. I think this is where they dug in. Uh, they went with um, with the guy from USC last year, Jackson, and I think they like that pick, so why not go back to the same situation? And this is where I think they get the other tackle, uh, your boy from um, – um, I'm very talking from USC. Mm. Mm. Okay. And then number 19, the Washington football team. is uh, A lot of people feel like it might be a, you know, um, a, 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 a no-brainer for this situation, that, you know, potentially offensive line and things of that nature. But uh, where, where, do you see the, where do you see the Washington football team adjusting these? Because defensively, I think they're pretty solid on that side of the ball. For me personally, on this draft, like – in my personal draft, I had them trading up and getting Trey Lance. But for this sake right here, um, staying at 15, I think we, we, we definitely got to solidify as far as getting more weapons offensively. This is what I see with Sean Bateman. 
I think this would be a great situation. We need a big body receiver to kind of with uh with scary Terry. And I think uh, defensively we do have the pieces, uh, especially getting William Jackson on the free agency. We did stuff on free agent market that I like what we do uh defensively. So I think offensively, I think that's what we're gonna concentrate. And frankly, I see us getting another playmaker on the side because the offense is anemic right now, which is one receiver. And then I think we gotta add a guy like Rashad Bateman at nineteen. So I disagree with you, Guru, right? I, I think this offseason, I mean, like, if you look at it, Antonio Gibson's an absolute stud. They got mm-hmm. him last year in the draft. He is a stud. You know you have Terry McLaurin, and you went out and you got Curtis Samuel this offseason. So if I am the Washington football team here, and if I'm sitting here, I, I'm, I'm looking at how to build my team. I'm building my team from the defensive side of the ball. We know you have four first-round picks on the defensive line. If I see JOK, Jeremiah Uzi-Koromoa from Notre Dame staring at me in the face, I am taking him to the podium, right? He is the type of player, he's a hybrid between a linebacker and a safety, and he doesn't have a specific role he plays. But this defense with JOK on it will guarantee be a top three defense in the league. And I think, as you said, or as I said many times, you are best player available. He's one of the best players available. I don't think you, you you reach for a wide receiver. I think you go best player available. JOK is the pick. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, we're running out of time here, fellas, so we'll just go quick. I, I'll just go team, and you guys give me your picks here because uh, I know uh, Daniel's got to leave here. So uh, quickly, you guys just give me the names. Uh, Chicago at 20. I got them Wyatt Davis, offensive guard from Ohio State. I got them taking Mac Jones, man. I didn't have him at number three, so I have them taking Mac Jones here. Obviously, you will see a trade-up because Mac Jones will not fall this far, but I think the Bears would love to have Mac Jones on the team. Oh, okay, I'm number 21. 21. The Colts at 21. Uh, we know they got uh, uh, Wentz, but what do you guys think uh, with Indianapolis? I definitely think they're going to hit the the offensive tackle, the offensive line right here, especially with the offensive tackle retiring from um, from last year. So uh, this is where I got a couple of guys here. But um, I like the guy, one of the um, Notre Dame guys, Liam Eckenberg. You know, I think one of those guys will fit in here. Or I could see any other Alabama guy, but they're definitely hitting the offensive line in this draft pick. Okay. I th- uh, this is this this is a spot that's hard, right? I had the Broncos earlier taking Greg Newsom. I think the Colts go Asante Samuel Jr. I think this is a pick for them here. Um, it's it's tough. I think either Caleb Farley or Asante Samuel Jr. But all the injury risk with Caleb Farley has Asante Samuel Jr. jumping him. They go corner. Okay, no, number twenty-two for the Tennessee Titans. This, I, yeah, you go, Guru. You go. I think the Titans definitely the, the defensively they were they were horrendous defensive side of the ball. Um, I think they either got to get a pass rusher or they got to get a corner in this situation. Um, and I think honestly, I I, I see them getting um, uh, either Greg Newsom or one of the defensive end or def- uh, edge rusher in this situation uh, in Tennessee. But I, I'm I'm leaning towards them getting corner in this situation. And in my case, um, in my draft, I had him getting J.C. Horn. But in this case, I get him with um, Greg Newsom. Yeah, I think the Titans, they, they, this year is going to be really rough for them. 
people are expecting that, but you lost your, your your top receivers, you lost your top tight end, you lost a lot of defense. Your defense was horrendous last year. They take a chance on Caleb Farley. They know that they don't they're not going to compete this year. So Caleb Farley, you take a chance on him, and hopefully he'll be your cornerback one. The the Jets at twenty three. I definitely like them going offensive line here. I like Creed Humphreys, um, offensive type, offensive, um, offensive um, center. Or if not, I like them going with Landon Dickinson. Either way, I see the Jets going into the offensive line. At this point in the draft, it's it, it for me. It's you go best player available, right? You you start to go best player available, and the way you do that is, I think the edge rusher class is extremely talented. So I already had Jalen Phillips going. I already had Quiddy Pay going. I think they go Aziz Ojulari here from Georgia. They go best play available. This one's hard to predict, but an edge would be extremely beneficial to this team. Yep, and with Ross Robert Salah's DNA, he would like a guy like that. At the Steel City, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 24. Najee Harris, take it to the bank, <sighs> man. See, <laughs> see, Guru, like, listen, like, I think it's going to be the pick. But it's the wrong pick, right? You got to go offensive line. You, I don't give a damn how good Najee is. Like I'm in love with the dude, right? Like Najee Harris is one of the best backs I've scouted. He would have been running back one last year and probably two years ago as well. You need the offensive line, especially after you got two guys retired. The offensive line's getting older. You need to go offensive line here. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars at number 25. Uh, don't think about OB Myers. I do know about OB Myers, man. He always have a, a nice offensive line. So, in this situation, this is why I see them getting a uh, – interior offensive line, I can see them getting a center here. This is another uh, – between the you know either Landon Dickinson or, or Creed Humphreys, one of those guys. Because one thing about Urban Myers, man, his center is always splendid and his tackles are always splendid, man. And I think he's going to build, especially going with um, Trevor Lawrence. So I see them hitting the offensive line. The Jaguars, I mean, obviously we understand they have the number one overall pick. You got to go best play available. And I think right here, Trayvon Merrick from uh, the University of Washington. He's a safety. I think he would be a great addition to that defense. And if you can leave here day one, getting a star quarterback and getting a, a stud safety, I think that's an absolute win for the Jaguars. From TCU? Or TCU, sorry, not Washington. I'm thinking of, oh, mm. my God. TCU. You think his last name, yeah. they, they all wear purple. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, the Browns, the Browns. A lot of people are high on them, especially the Guru. He thinks that they're one of the best rosters in the NFL coming this upcoming season. Man, the Browns at 26. Sammy, what can you know- they do? You know what I've been telling you about the Browns from the day the Super Bowl was over with, man. I love the Browns, Asante Samuel Jr., and I love Asante Samuel. He fits the mold, especially what Andrew Barry and them do, and they need somebody in the secondary. Boom, Asante Samuel Jr. Guru, man. We got the same eyes on everything, man. I'm telling you, listen, I love this roster. This is definitely one of the best rosters in all of football. Uh, Top five offensive line in the league. You got stud receivers. You got two of the best running backs in the league as well. You went out. They got Jadavion Clowney. So I would have gave them a uh, an edge rusher here. But they can go a lot of different ways. I think that they go linebacker. They need a lot of linebacking help. Uh, the best linebackers I have on the board right here. 
I'm going to go Jameen Davis. He's a sleeper from Kentucky. He's seen a lot of publicity recently. Jameen Davis from Kentucky. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. The Baltimore Ravens, uh, number 27. What, what help do they potentially put around Lamar to, to, to solidify them? Uh, with this one, the Ravens, and this pick for me, I think the Ravens, they're one of the best defensive line draft picks in, in the organization when it comes to drafting defense. So with, with um, um, Judon gone, they need to bring some pressure. They need to have guys that can generate the pressure. So this is where I, I see them going with the best rusher. And they like low school guys. So this one I see Xavier Collins uh, from Carlson going over here, man. Xavier Collins and going to Baltimore. Okay. I think for Baltimore, right, we saw that they traded, uh, they traded their offensive linemen to the Kansas City Chiefs. So right now you have two first-round picks. A lot of people. They need to go wide receiver, but I'm not going to be one of them. I think you got to focus on that offensive line and focus on the edge or that defensive line. Defensive line, you got a lot of talent. I think they go Gregory Rousseau. I think Gregory mm. Rousseau would be a, a very, very, very good pick for them because, uh, like I said, you got to focus on the defensive line. Gregory Rousseau is a project. I'm not a huge fan of him, but if any can uh, reach his potential, it's John Harborough. So I'm That's going really- Rousseau here. Interesting. I, I, I think both of you guys are correct. They go offensive line or defensive line, especially Lamar's playing style. You need to protect them. But, you know, in, in the conference, he sees Diggs with, with Allen. He has a number one. He sees Patrick Mahomes has Tyree Kill. He has a number one. In order for the Baltimore Ravens to take that next step and to be one of the top tier teams in AFC, they got to get Lamar a true number one. Hollywood Brown is nice. The days of Des Bryant being that guy isn't that – Time them. They need to get somebody for him. So that's that's where I think they'll get a whiteout, but who knows? Um the 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 New Orleans Saints at 28. The New Orleans so, Saints, this one right here, man. This is where I like your boy uh Kale Dub over here, man. This is I think is a perfect situation mm. in a division. I got Ivan Kamara, they got those scat packs and stuff. You need a guy that's so athletic like that, uh, that can move and roam around. So this is where I see um KO Dub over here at um uh, for the Saints. Wait, who'd you say? Uh, yo, the, the KO, what's it, KOK from um, freaking Penn Notre State. Dame? Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Yes, sir, JOK, yes, sir. JOK. So, the Saints, I think, I really, I mean, you lost Emmanuel Sanders, and your offense kind of needs a little bit more juice now that Drew Brees is gone. I think they go wide receiver, and the best wide receiver on the board here. It's tough. I like Kadarius Tony, but I'm going to go with a very a, a huge sleeper name. I'm going to go Amon Ross St. Brown, right? You mm. see Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm. I like that. Is, he is a younger Emmanuel Sanders, right? Like nice. very terrific hands. He can run. He runs terrific routes. He's not flashy, but he can do what the Saints need. I'm going Amon Ross St. Brown. It's a reach, but I think it could potentially be a, a very Saints pick. What do you guys feel about the Saints? Side note here, because people say they've got a guy that's a turnover machine in Winston, and they've also got another quarterback that's a running back. So uh, what do you guys have to say about those two guys? Um, I believe in Sean Payton. (laughs) I hear you you on that one, man. At number 29 for for the Green Bay Packers. This is interesting. Uh, Daniel, you brought up up Armand St. Brown as a sleeper wide receiver. I have a potential another sleeper wide receiver that could potentially go to the Saints or the Packers that I wanted to run by you. And his name was Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. Oh, my God. Like, like, like I was was thinking about 
I was thinking it because I know you hear the talks. Green Bay needs a receiver. There's that in the third. I feel like at this point in time, Tylen Wallace will be one of the best receivers left. What are your thoughts on that? Stop it, man. I am <laughs> I am such a fan of Tylen Wallace, right? And I don't want to get I don't want to get too in depth on it, but the reality is he was one of the most productive college receivers we saw in the past two years. He produced at the college level, right? He's not going to blow anybody away with his testing numbers, but he's fast. He can make 50-50 grabs. He can do it in the short game. He can do it in immediate. He is one of the best receivers in this class. I would love that. I think they go either him, Kadarius Tony, or Terrace Marshall. They need to go wide receiver here, though. They have yeah. to. Man, and you guys know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers, and we the same way the Green Bay Packers feel about him. When we look at the Green Bay Packers, I think it's the, it's the media rhetoric. People like you, Daniel, that started this rhetoric. Oh, they need a wide receiver. Blah, 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 the receiver. Nah, the, what's wrong with the Green Bay Packers is they soft as hell defensively. So That's I think fair. you'll get a call to defensively. Yeah. And this is what I think they're going with. Kentucky linebacker, uh, Jamin Davis, getting that type mm. of juice in the backfield, man. And the la- I don't remember the last time I even know who the hell the Green Bay Packers linebacker was, man, since, like, Clay Matthews. So, so Guru, all I'm going to say to that is, like, I, I, I respect that. And I think the biggest thing is I would love if one of the top five corners is here. That we saw in the, the championship game against the Buccaneers, their cornerbacks got absolutely ripped to shreds. I would love if Greg Newsom or Santa Samuel Jr. is here to pair with Jair Alexander. But if they're not here, I think you go receiver. The, the Buffalo Bills, nobody improved last year better than the Bills, right? Josh Allen, career numbers across the board. Um, the, the division winners, first time since the Jim Kelly and Andre Reid days. Buffalo, uh, I mean, they're, they're probably going to be back as one of the top teams in the AFC. But what's it going to take for them to get over the hurdle and potentially be Super Bowl contenders? What do they need? Uh, see, this is this is what's hard because I don't really think anything they do in the draft is going to be that impactful on the team because it's all going to be about how do they cope with the Chiefs' offensive line, right? How do you deal with the Chiefs' offensive line? And that's the Bills' biggest weakness, their pass rush. So you got to address the pass rush here. It, it, sadly, with what we've done so far, I've taken all the good pass rushes, right? Jalen Phillips is gone. Quiddy Pay, Aziz is gone. All these guys are gone. But – I'm going to take a little bit of a sleeper. I'm going to go with Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, one of the most productive uh, one of the most productive edge rushers in this class. I think Carlos Basham isn't flashy, but he will do it all for the Buffalo Bills. See, we once again, we're on the same mindset. I like what you're saying. I like what you're saying, but I'm disappointed with your answer. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, we are going with the with the defensive line. We did they need an edge rusher specifically for what you said. So I'm not even I, I concur on that. But instead of going with Basham, who I think is more of a second round late pick, I think they go with Joe Tryon from University of Washington. Mm. I think when I see him mentally, I see he's a Sean McDermott guy. Uh, he's a guy that go get the ball, and he could even line up and, and play in space a little bit. So I see them getting a the guy, um, and I think that'd be a dream pick for him, Joe Tryon from UW. Mm. I, I have a question for you guys before we move to Kansas, uh, Baltimore at 31. Um, the Buffalo Bills, they threw the ball last year, 72% of their snaps, relying a lot on Josh Allen. If Najee Harris was to fall here because Buffalo, they, they, didn't, they had no run game to exist. That's the reason why they lost to the Chiefs because you can't outscore them. You have to run the football against yeah. them. If Najee Harris was here, which I, in my board I still had 
at 30, I think that would be that would be a match made in heaven. Yeah, I think I think I think we we've seen a lot of the rumors, right? We've seen the rumors about um, like Travis Etienne to the Bills. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. I I I don't think it's a smart move to go round one because I mean you saw them. They took Zach Moss last year. They took Devin Singletary the year before. I think you go edge rusher here, but if Najee falls, he's the only running back I would take here. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they'll get a run back. Just Sean, uh, Sean McDermott is a defensive mind coach. Like they, he's, they, he saw what was what was wrong with him. They couldn't stop no one last year, bro. Uh, they need to stop some of that. And you, you can't outscore the Chiefs, man. You got to definitely freaking sack someone, bro. <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no doubt. You um, last but not least, the to round it out, the Super Bowl champion, defending Super we got, Bowl. We champion. got the Ravens at thirty-one. Sorry. Oh, man, excuse me. I'm sorry. I thought we were there. <laughs> and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Daniel, you said the Baltimore Ravens might not go receiver at twenty-seven. Do they go receiver here at thirty-one? I don't think so. Right, and I, it, it, it's a lot of people are gonna say, "Oh, you're crazy for that. You're crazy." Listen, like I said, the way Lamar Jackson is going to win, obviously, a wide receiver one would help. But I think you got to shore up that offensive line and you got to win with your defensive line. I've been on record multiple times saying Lamar Jackson can't do it without a dominant defense. And I'll stand by that, right? I think Lamar Jackson is uh, – he's hes not one-sided, but hes he doesn't have that it factor of like a Patrick Mahomes or like a Josh Allen. So in order to make a Super Bowl, you're going to have to win with that defensive line and the way they do that is, like I said, you took Aziz earlier and the offensive line. You go Liam Eichenberg here from Notre Dame. Man, cool. this guy, man. He's, sometimes we agree on something. Sometimes he wants a good take. Sometimes Ariel wants a good take. So he's not all the way wrong. You know, that's why I like him. This is the time I like him, man. I definitely believe they don't need a receiver in the first two picks, Um, in the first two rounds. Honestly, um, uh, uh, I just think we're going to throw a little – a little hint there. I, I think uh, watch out for the Julio Jones and Baltimore Ravens. I'm throwing it out there on the seven podcast, so you'll throw that rumor around. Don't be shocked mm. if that happened. But um, I see them. I, I use. I see them pick the D line first one. The second one, I do see them picking the offensive tackle. And I had Liam there. You did have. You stole my guy. I did have Liam also. In fact, I'm looking dead at it when you said that. I'm like this son of a gun, man. So um, I just think they like Notre Dame. They're gonna stick with the two Notre Dame guys. And I'm going with the same pick as you on this one, um, Daniel. There. Side, side note for you guys, and I'm going to bring this to Daniel and Mike. If if Julio Jones were to be in a Baltimore uniform for both of you guys, uh, where where what would the Baltimore ceiling be? Where where do you think do you think they can get over the hump? Wow. Uh, uh I'm gonna because, like I said, it's it, that's a step, right? That's a huge step that they need. Julio Jones will be a terrific, terrific piece for them. But, okay, if Julio Jones is there, what are they giving up, right? They're easily giving up both of these first-round picks this year. Heck no. They they still need to focus on that defensive line. <laughs> I Even though Lamar Jackson is will thrive with Julio Jones, you still need a dominant defense, and you still need an offensive line. So I think it gives them a better step. But at the end of the day, if you're going up against the Bills, the Chiefs, even the Browns, I still think Julio Jones doesn't doesn't change that. What do you, you think? Need, you need more than Julio Jones. Now, granted, if this was prime Julio Jones a few years into his career, that's a different conversation. However, 
you do need somebody more than just Julio Jones. This isn't the same Julio that we've seen. Now, obviously, he would be reasserted in a different offense, and I'm sure he would be pretty dynamic with Lamar Jackson. But 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 like Daniel was saying, you need you to fill those needs on on defense, especially that defensive line. When you're talking about the Baltimore Ravens, you think about that defensive culture, that physical nature, and 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 that's what they've been predicated on, and that's how they've garnered most of their success, especially over the last ten plus years, twenty plus years, excuse me. So the, the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, definitely Julio Jones would definitely help per se. But would that be the move that put them over the hump? No, it would not. This isn't prime Julio Jones we're talking about here. And I actually disagree with Daniel. I don't think Julio Jones is worth two first-round picks right now. Not this Julio. Really? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know what? Yeah. It, it, I, he I, may not be worth that, Mike. But from, from a business standpoint, when you're, when you're Arthur, you know, when, when you're Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, he may want that. That, oh that yeah, absolutely. Price. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to ask for it. I, 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 I'd just be hard pressed to find any teams that would actually go for that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I don't know if the Ravens would even do that. I don't know if they'd be willing to give up <laughs> both of those. So we'll see. Though that's it's an interesting. That's an interesting idea you brought up. And in a um, contract and, year for Julio, that's big too. Big, big, big. I mean, excuse me for Lamar. Excuse me. Excuse yep, me. A contract okay. year for Lamar, that would be huge, man. Oh, he's getting paid regardless. At, <laughs> at, at thirty-two, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first team, guys, to bring everybody back. They didn't miss. They didn't lose anybody in free agency. Everybody got paid. Obviously, Brady's there. He's loving the weather. He's not under the snow anymore. Um, if you want to talk about rosters, it's probably as good as it gets. I mean, they brought everybody back. They didn't lose anything. But it, they, is there a hole there, or is there a place that they need to add depth? Because the roster is still intact. But do you guys see something that they, they may need for another Super Bowl run? All I know is you go best player available here, man. You go best player available. I don't give a damn who it is. Whoever the hell they want, they will go and get. Like like you said, I mean, they return all 22 starters. That's crazy. Ridiculous. That's crazy. Ridiculous. So, I don't know. You can – multitude of ways you can go. You can ha- go for a receiver. I don't think they should because, I mean, I'm a huge Tyler Johnson fan, as Guru knows. I don't know, man. This is this is a tough pick. I think for the Bucks, honestly – this pick would be a perfect spot to trade out of, trade out of for a team that wants to get right into the, the end of day one, wants to get a last final, you know, hoorah on day one. I think the Bucks should trade out of this pick just because you got your team still intact, trade out, acquire some more assets, and win on day two. What's it going to take for the for this uh, Tampa Bay to repeat, uh, Guru? Is there something that you think they need? Absolutely not. Not knowing is going to be a, a, a factor. I, I do think this is ideal pick for trade so you can accumulate more draft picks. But, you know, if they keep the draft pick, I think the only depth that you might want to add is, um, you know, Sue's getting older in the, in, in the team. So I look at the interior defense alignment. Uh, somebody to go with, with Christian, I mean, with um, Vita Vez. So I'm looking at Christian um, Barrymore. If anything else, I think that you just got to attack the interior linemen because you could never have guys, especially having Devin White being your key guy, you have to have guys to protect him. So I feel like they will keep the interior offensive defense alignment. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. And that wraps it up, guys. <laughs> you guys did your thing. I, I, we appreciate you guys coming on, man. It was a pleasure. What a breakdown, fellas. What a breakdown. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys, man. Like, like we talked about at the beginning of this, this is the best part of the year, right? Not only is it draft time, but it's also time for collabs. So, guys, at some point, again, we got to do this again. Appreciate you guys. Yes, sir.
At no, some point, you guys are coming back next year for our draft. That's a guarantee. Stamp on it, book it, take that to the bank. How about yes, that? Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. As always, man, it's a pleasure speaking to you guys, man. And as always, Daniel, man, you know, I call him 50 50. Half the time he's right, <laughs> half the time he's wrong, man. You know, <laughs> you know, I still, love him. I I still am... love him all the whole time, though. You were, man. I'm excited to see how your bold predictions go. And as always, man, don't don't lose that with you, man. Stay bold. Don't listen to anybody else what they have to say. Yes, sir. And that wraps up our show this week on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Uh, and for sure, we're probably sure we're going to have everything wrong next week. <laughs> we'll debate that. Um, but for myself and all of our guests and our cast this week, we want to say so long from now. And we'll see you guys next time. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and, frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SebiPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, The Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.